Do you have trouble seeing up close or far away? How about at night? I know I do. Go check out Design for Vision and Sunglass Central. They are the premier eye care center for all eyeglasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses in southeastern PA. Whether it is the quality eyeglasses, sunglasses, or contacts that you're looking for, their styles represent the latest in fashionable but affordable eyewear. Not only do they offer a wide selection of non-prescription brands, but they offer prescription lenses fabrication. Whether it's in-store or online, they carry all major brands such as Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Coach, Michael Kors, Ray-Ban, Maui Jim, Wiley X, and many more. With over 50 years of experience, Design for Vision and Sunglass Central are the best in fabrication, selection, and fitting of designer and specialty glasses. Design for Vision has convenient locations in Morrisville, Levittown, New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson. Sunglass Central can be found at the New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson locations. That's designforvision.com and sunglasscentral.net. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Head on over to Facebook, pop in J Line Decker Racing Engines into your search bar and go see what Jason's got going on. On to a few breaking news items this week. Kreitz Racing has named a driver for the Williams Grove Speedway's National Open. Darren Pittman will hop in the legendary ride for the two-day show later this year. Also, along the same lines, Kyle Reinhardt has hopped in the Grove Racing number 45 for the remainder of the All-Star schedule. And last but certainly not least, Lawrenceburg Speedway promoters Dave and Kim Rudisell will be retiring after the season ends on October 7th. It's going to be very interesting to see who takes over and how Lawrenceburg Speedway progresses. More to come. On to our results going back to last Monday night. Super Dirt Car Series Summerfast kicking off at Brewerton Speedway, $7,500 to win. Matt Williamson with a genius and spectacular run. The last few laps running down Matt Shepard, making that pass, going into turn one of the last lap and picking up the win. Matt Shepard did finish runner up as well as Tim Sears Jr., Danny Johnson, and Jack Lehner rounded out the top five. On to Tuesday, once again, Super Dirt Car Series Summerfast, night number two, this time at Fulton Speedway, $7,500 to win, and Mother Nature said not today. High Limit Sprint Car Series Hucett Speedway in South Dakota, $23,023 to win, Rico Abreu picking up the victory over Buddy Kofoid, Robbie Price, Kerry Madsen, and Justin Sanders. And I think a lot of people were under the impression that Robbie Price was about to pick up his first big win in the United States, leading a majority of this feature. And unfortunately for him, Rico Abreu found 
a, another gear late in this one, getting around Buddy Kofoid and then Robbie Price as well. On to Wednesday night, Super Dirt Car Series Summer Fast, night number three, Land of Legends Raceway, $7,500 to win this one as well. Matt Shepard, your winner over Mike Mahaney, Jack Lehner, Matt Williamson, and Tim Fuller rounding out the top five. And what most would consider the tallest podium picture in the history of dirt motorsports. Yeah, the tallest. And Matt Shepard did claim the Summer Fast Mini Series Championship. Action Track USA also in action last Wednesday night. Speedster victory to Billy Pouch and 600s victory to Steven Snyder Jr. On to Thursday, night number one of the 45th annual Agco Jackson Nationals Jackson Motorplex in Minnesota. 10,000 to win. James McFadden picking up the win over Donnie Schatz. Tanner Holmes, Carson Macedo, and Buddy Kofoid. Now, I find it's important to mention here Tanner Holmes. His first start with the Shark Racing team in the 1A set quick time. He finished out his Jackson Nationals, which we'll get to momentarily, with all top 10 finishes. Not too shabby for a guy that pretty much only runs a 360 for the most part. I think this kid has a bright future ahead of him. On to Friday night, back to Jackson for night number two of the 45th annual Agco Jackson Nationals. Once again, $10,000 to win. James McFadden going back to back, this time getting it done over Gio Selzy, Carson Macedo, Buddy Kofoid, and Brad Sweet rounding out the top five. All-Star Circuit of Champions Outlaw Speedway up in New York, 8,000 to win. The return of the two-time and defending All-Stars champion, Tyler Courtney. And came back in fashion, picking up the victory over Zeb Wise, Kerry Madsen, Pauli Cola Giovanni, and Cy Lynch. Modifieds were also in action on Friday night at Outlaw with Matt Shepard picking up the win and 602 Crate Sportsman win going to Brandon Grover. USAC Midgets, Jason Leffler Memorial, Wayne County Speedway in Illinois, 5,000 to win. Tanner Thorson, your winner over Logan Seavey, Zach Dom, Ryan Timms, and Gavin Miller. Lucas Oil Late Models, 31st Annual Comp Cams Topless 100 Batesville Motor Speedway in Arkansas, 5,000 to win on Friday night. Ricky Thornton Jr. picking up the win, his 15th on the year with the series, which ties him with Scott Bloomquist for the most Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series wins in a season. And we are not at September yet. Ricky Thornton Jr. will absolutely crush Bloomer's record of 15 wins in a season. Now, it does help that there is a ton of three-day shows where you have qualifying features on Thursday and Friday. Some of these, I'm sure, were split fields, but a feature win is a feature win. Tim McCready, Jonathan Davenport, Dale McDowell, and Devin Moran rounded out the top five. Onto local action, Big Diamond Speedway, of course, prelude to the Cole Cracker, $10,000 on top for the Modifieds. Outsider Anthony Perego picking up the win. I must say, 
you know, a lot of people know we've struggled with the surface this year and there's been nights that were less than desirable to watch. This shit happens. It happens everywhere. But Alex Jankowski taking home the hard charger from 21st starting position and finishing fourth, 17 spots. Yes, there was some attrition. However, a lot of those positions were picked up under green. Loudon Reimer had not the greatest of starting spots from 18th to second. So congratulations once again, Anthony Prego, your $10,000 winner. 602 creates sportsman in action for $1,500 to win, and Logan Watt was your victor. Roadrunner's victory to Chris Nye. 602 creates sportsman rookies victory to Brennan Chapman. He is now the next rookie to graduate and move himself up to the regular 602 create sportsman class and central pa legends also in attendance with tanner jones picking up his second win on the year at big diamond georgetown speedway running their title wave on friday night mass 305's victory to bob devault and 602 create sportsman victory to joe toth Albany Saratoga Speedway modified victory to Adam Pearson, his third on the season at Albany. And 602 Crate Sportsman double features one to Andrew Buff and the other to Tim Hartman Jr. Can-Am Speedway, Penn Can, Accord, and Utica Rome were all off on Friday night. Brewerton Speedway unfortunately rained out. Ransomville did get their show in, modified win to Gary Lindbergh. And Williams Grove Speedway double features for both divisions on the night. 410 victories going to Lucas Wolf and the ever so controversial Danny Dietrich. And 358 Sprint Cars wins to Dylan Norris and Kyle Spence. On to Saturday. World of Outlaw Sprints once again, 45th annual Agco Jackson Nationals, 25,000 to win finale. James McFadden was looking to become the first driver since Danny Lasaski in the early 2000s to sweep a three-day show, and Carson Macedo said, not so fast. Carson Macedo picking up the win over Brad Sweet, Donnie Schatz, James McFadden, and Gio Selzy. All-Stars at Utica Rome Speedway, 10,000 to win on Saturday night. Danny Varon, your winner, led every lap over Tyler Courtney, Zeb Wise, Stuart Friesen, and Kerry Madsen were your top five. Thunder on the Thruway Series also going on at Utica Rome on Saturday. Modified victory to Stuart Friesen, and Alex Jankowski was named the Thunder on the Thruway Series champion back-to-back years now. And 602 Great Sportsman wins to Matt Janzik, and Peyton Talbot was named the Thunder on the Thruway Series champion. USAC Silver Crown, an afternoon delight, Bettenhausen 100, Illinois State Fairgrounds, 10,000 to win. Shane Cottle, who had lost his ride with the Silver Crown Division, picking up the ride with the Chris Dyson, Shawn Michael operation in the nine car for the rest of the Silver Crown schedule, led a bunch of laps in this feature. However, Logan CV did prevail with the win. Shane Cottle, Justin Grant, Cody Swanson, and Emerson Axum rounded out the top five. Now we head on over to Macon Speedway in Illinois for the USAC Midget event later on that day. 5,000 to win. 
and Logan Seavey becomes the third driver ever to win two USAC races with two different divisions in the same day, picking up the win at Macon over Gavin Miller, Tanner Thorson, Zach Dom, and Carter Sarf rounding out the top five. Lucas Oil Late Models, 31st Annual Comp Camps Topless 100 Batesville Motor Speedway in Arkansas, 50,000 to win. I was not a huge fan of this event. I'm typically not every year, and it's not due to the lack of the roof on the car. I think Late Models are the only division that don't look completely hideous topless, but this race tends to end up being a train around the bottom, and I mean a train around the bottom. The top went away, and it was really a follow-the-leader type situation, almost like how an afternoon race would play out. And uh, there was some attrition towards the end with guys losing tires. Your eventful winner, Dale McDowell, did end up with a left rear flat uh, going to the scales in the infield. They did allow him to change that for weight and droop rule purposes. But the Mac Daddy himself, Dale McDowell, your winner over Jonathan Davenport, Ricky Thornton Jr., Devin Moran, and Tim McCready, running out the top five. On to local action, Grandview Speedway, the Forrest Rogers Memorial, $10,000 to win, modified victory going to Craig Von Doren, and Sportsman Action saw Kyle Smith taking home the win. New Egypt Speedway, Ron John Coxon Memorial, modified victory to Loudon Reimert, and 602 Great Sportsman victory to Joe Toth. And I do apologize to our former guest, Mr. Joe Toth. I did not realize New Egypt had two great sportsman features last week. Joe's dad, Mike, picking up the first and Joe picking up the second. Bridgeport Speedway, modified victory to Neil Williams and 602 Great Sportsman win going to Brian Papiez. Orange County Fair Speedway, dirt car small block victory to Tyler Jasmbowski and 602 Great Sportsman victories to Brian Crummel and the beard himself, John Bachhorn. Woodhall Raceway, modified victory to Brady Foltz and 602 Great Sportsman win to Kenny Peoples Jr. If I'm not mistaken, Kenny Peoples Jr. might be undefeated in crate action at Woodhall this year. Thunder Mountain Speedway, modified victory to Eric Leet and Dirt Car Sportsman victory to Jordan Millard. Lebanon Valley Speedway, Dirt Car Big Block win going to Colby Schroeder. Dirt Car Small Block win to Ryan Larkin. And 602 Crate Sportsman, two features on the night, one to Kevin Ward and the other to Tim Hartman Jr. Fulton and Afton Motorsports Park were both off on Saturday night. Lincoln Speedway victory to Freddie Raymer, of course, his 15th now on the year. That is a countrywide lead. And 358's win going to Doug Hamaker. Port Royal Speedway, a combined Greg Hodnett Classic and the Living Legends Dream Race all in one night, double 10,000 to win features. Greg Hodnett Classic came down to a turn four last lap pass. Devin Borden blowing by Lance DeWeese for the win. And Living Legends Dream Race went to a dominant performance by Brent Marks. Super late model feature going to Greg Satterley. 
On to last night, All-Stars Circuit of Champions Kramer Cup, Sealands Grove Speedway, $10,000 to win. Victory going to Zeb Wise over Brent Marks, Danny Dietrich, Tyler Courtney, and Justin Peck, rounding out the top five. Past 305s also in attendance with Cruz Kepner, victorious. Action Track USA, the season finale, Dick Tobias Classic. This year, a different format. Triple 30 features USAC East Coast with the win going to Timmy Buckwalder over Christian Bruno and Bobby Butler. Speedster victory to Timmy Buckwalder as well. He was also crowned the Speedster champion. And 600 Mike Rose victory. Why not? Timmy Buckwalder getting it done. The trifecta on the night with Christian Bruno winning the points championship. So just a comment on the events that took place at Kutztown last night. There was a lot of flack given to Mr. Buckwalder for some on-track issues. Let me just make this perfectly clear. It's so funny when you look at all the people on social media who, oh, he should have been disqualified or blah, 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 blah. You know what? How many times over the course of history have we seen certain drivers behave this way on a regular basis? I can think of quite a few drivers. Danny Dietrich got into Freddie Raymer at Williams Grove, which then, in, at the result of that, Freddie ended up flipping. But this shit happens all the time. It happens with big touring series, and guess what? They don't put people to the back, typically, for stuff that happens. They just don't do it. Super Dirt. Arguably, could they have put David A. Bear to the back the other week for getting into Matt Shepard? Probably could have, but they didn't. And this happens so often, and I think people are used to automatically thinking people need to go to the rear for contact when you know there's a lot of times where there's just incidental contact now i'll go back to my previous point with saying i think these sprint cars are too big for that track it is next to impossible to run clean with how these cars are, are intended throwing sliders and What you guys all want to see, it's almost impossible to do that at a place like that because the track's not wide enough. So when there's contact, everyone wants to piss and moan about it. Shit happens. And yes, I know I'm defending someone who I consider to be a close friend. Yes. Now, am I going to sit here and say that he's absolutely innocent? Absolutely not. There was contact. He knows it. Everyone knows it. But for the love of God, people, you act like you should be crucified for it. For what? A rough night on the track that other people seem to have more frequently? And that's what everyone forgets. Everyone forgets. This is not a common reoccurrence, but it is with other people and everyone just accepts it. Or if that would have been other choice drivers that can do no wrong. Oh, well, they didn't mean to. He didn't mean to. 
He didn't junk someone on purpose. There's one person out there that respects the equipment that they're in and the competitors around them. That would be Mr. Buckwalter here. So I'm a firm believer that people need to get their heads out of their ass. And again, you're not the jury. You're not the executioner in this. You're not the judge. So back off. And then when he wins the micro feature, everyone's cheering. Like, wait a second. I'm confused here. Is it a new crowd in here that everyone else left? No. Racing fans sometimes can be very bipolar. It's okay to hate someone one day and then love them the next or even in the same night. It's like Kyle Larson fans. I love it. All the dirt fans hate him. For the most part, the diehard dirt fans hate him because he wins so much. But if you ask them who they root for on a Sunday afternoon on asphalt for three hours of their time, they love him. Well, which is it? I digress. Also running last night, Five Mile Point Speedway, a regular modified feature going to Nick Roshinsky and the Mike Colston remembered continuation, Danny Creeden picking up the win. Those are your results onto our upcoming events. A lot of good stuff on deck. Super Dirt Car Series, Tuesday night, Summer Nationals, Ransomville Speedway in New York, $7,500 to win. That will be on Dirt Vision. World of Outlaw Sprints Friday. Girdeau presents the second leg of the Northern Tour River City Speedway in North Dakota. And Saturday, Girdeau presents the duel in the Dakotas Red River Valley Speedway, also in North Dakota. All-Star Circuit of Champions Friday, Tri-City Motor Speedway in Michigan. And Saturday, the Mace Thomas Classic Butler Speedway, also in Michigan. Lucas Oil ASCS, Friday night, Lakeside Speedway in Kansas, 5000 to win. That would be on racingdirt.com. USAC Sprints, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sprint Car Smackdown 12 Kokomo Speedway in Indiana, 6000 to win Thursday night and Friday night. And Saturday night's finale kicking off, $30,000 to win. And that will be on Flow Racing. Extreme Outlaw Midgets, Friday and Saturday. Quad Cities 150 Weekend, Davenport Speedway in Iowa, 4000 to win each night. And that will be on Dirt Vision. World of Outlaw Late Models, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Quad Cities 150 Weekend, Davenport Speedway in Iowa, 10000 to win Thursday and Friday. And Saturday night, the finale is 30000 to win, also on Dirt Vision. Lucas Oil Late Models, Thursday, Melvin L. Joseph Memorial, Georgetown Speedway in Delaware, $18,049 to win. And Friday and Saturday, the Rumble by the River, Port Royal Speedway, with the finale on Saturday paying 50000 to win. And that will be on Flow Racing. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash the five-star rating button on all the podcast platforms. And a big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown and Company for the support. I'm going to bring up a situation I saw that unfolded at Bowman Gray Stadium. Yes, 
asphalt track. However, they're really known for a lot of the um, on-track incidents, which then turn into spectacles as far as guys wrecking each other. Uh, really a demolition derby of sorts in the infield. They've seen some really crazy shit happen. Well, this past weekend, we saw an instance where uh, on-track contact resulted in two wrecked race cars. The driver of one of them decided to all but steal a golf cart of sorts in the infield and then went after the driver that was able to continue chucking a water bottle at the driver. All fine and good. But then I saw hours later photos of the other driver's rig had a sledgehammer through the windshield. At what point... So we draw a line between quote unquote entertainment and actually committing a crime. You know, they want to let these guys run into each other in the infield and do all kinds of stupid shit. It's all for entertainment value. The place is packed. People go nuts over this shit, which again, I get it. But to then have, you know, an eight, 20 pound sledgehammer through someone's rigs windshield that to me is too much you know wrecking a race car that's already wrecked whatever at that place i'm not saying everywhere should allow that but that's their that's their stick down there and that's that's what they do that's their stick but to then end up with someone's vehicle being damaged like that a very expensive rig by the way and a sledgehammer through it no i'm not i'm not all for that I'm not. But anyway, on to this week's episode. As I promised last week, we are going to get into the Knoxville Nationals recap with our good buddy, Mr. Mike Mallett from Dirt Track Digest. And Mike was in attendance, and we're going to dive into his trip out there, what he took in, and talk about some of the racing that went on. So I hope you guys dig the episode. We'll be back next week once again with another recap. And uh, that's it. So enjoy all the stuff going on. Seasons are winding down, which also means big events are coming more frequently. So support your local racetracks. And until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown and Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Owner and proud Dirt Track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and continues to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown and Company has since the beginning. Kenny supports Dirt Track Racing through the sponsorship of the number 4M602 Crate Sportsman of Logan Watt and the number 11 Modified of Danny Heber and is also a very proud sponsor of this 4 Wide Salute podcast. You can reach Bill Brown and Company by phone at 609-586-1474 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out all of Bill Brown's promotional products on their website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Sleep Podcast, we have, believe it or not, episode number two guest, Mr. Mike Mallett. And we're talking Knoxville, everything Knoxville. So, for one, welcome back to the show. It's been a long time. 
Well, episode two, what episode are we on now? 128. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's impressive. Good I, for you. I didn't think it was going to go past 20, so I'll take it for what it is now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you make this annual trip out to Knoxville. How long have you been doing this? Oof. Uh, since Donny Shots started winning. How's that? <laughs> that has been a long time. So, yeah, so we've, we've made that trip several years you know it's um you know different people have gone you know, the last few years my buddy jeff aka sasquatch has gone with me mm-hmm. um but yeah we've uh it's been a while it's you know it's been a great stretch you know the only one i didn't go to here in the last 15 ish 18 ish 20 years whatever was the covid year but to be fair they called that the capitani classic and only paid 50 grand and not 150 so or 180 or whatever they're paying now you know so right i don't count it as missing one <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count. That's a modified version. I think the same thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's kick it with this. Weather was great all week. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, we've had years like last year. It was 100 degrees almost every day. That sucks. Um, it is, you know, as a fat guy, not fun. <laughs> no, no. So, <laughs> so this year was, was much better, you know, you know, 80s. Low 80s, you know, the one day, I think one day we got the 91 or two days. So it was, it was pleasant. It was nice. You know, we, unfortunately we lost to Capitani on Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. it looked like we had a shot and then, you know, rain that wasn't on the radar moved in and it was just a mist and it was enough that, you know, that was that. But other than that, you know, no great week, you know, weather-wise, um, you know, and what's amazing is we've looked back, you know, uh, Jeff and I were talking, you know, I think in all the years we've gone, we've only lost not kind of wood, you know, three races, you know, to rain outs, you know, where, I mean, they do everything they can to try to find a way to get those races as on the days that they're scheduled. You know, um, we've had a couple Saturday afternoon programs. Those are not fun. Um, and then especially when it's hot. And then we've had, uh, you know, I know I want to say I've had two or one Sunday and all the years I'm going that they've, they've moved Saturday to Sunday. So, uh, been very fortunate. And again, this year, more of the same, you know, not bad at all. I was very surprised. I think the 360 race was definitely better than the 410 race this year. Well, the 360 race was good. Um, that got helped by a late caution, you know, late, late red, you know, hey, what's his name? Uh, hold on. Aaron Reitzel. Yeah. I gotta, I've been to so many races in the last two weeks. I'm trying to put it all back together. <laughs> um, Reitzel, had, you know, had it. He's almost off of turn four to the checkered, and you know we get a we get a red or a, we get a caution, and then uh, you know one mistake on the restart. That's all it takes. And Brian Brown's good enough that you can't make a mistake. You know Larson, he made a main just, ah, he stomped him. You know just start to finish, not really challenged, not really threatened. You know early in the tw- in the first twenty five of the fifty, it looked like shots had a chance. Um, but it just wasn't there. You know, now David Gravel, had David Gravel not started in Never Neverland, yeah. well, maybe he had a shot at him because Gravel was probably equally as good, if not better, at the end of that race. Um, but, you know, it's 50 laps. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, that's the, the beauty of the Knoxville format. You know, unfortunately for Gravel, he had a tough night. You know, had to run hard knocks, ran hard knocks, had to start, you know, won that, started back in 21st, even back in row 11. And, I mean, he made a hell of a charge, um, you know, so, you know, one thing we should talk about is format. What's your, uh, you know, I'm going to ask the question here. What's your thoughts on the Knoxville format? Do you know the Knoxville format, first off? 
and what's your thoughts on it? I definitely know it. Um, you know, all the pools that go on, you know, I got to select my guys through different groups and stuff. And it's it's just like the chili bowl. It's like you have to think about, OK, who is your best chance of winning you this group? But at the same time, it's well, what if they time bad? What if they time really good now to start eighth in their heat? Like, can they possibly still make the show? It's like all these factors come into play now. I look at guys like Brent Marks this year, who I believe last year the same thing happened where he got screwed by the format because he timed so well and his heat race was locked down and no it went nowhere. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I guess it evens itself out when you look at how many points you get for qualifying and then basically just don't terribly suck in your heat race and you're going to be okay. But I don't know. It's I also don't like the fact that there's how many cars per night and it's only one group of qualifying, which makes it that much harder because, you know, this track can be really good early and then slow Mm -hmm. down or vice versa. It can get faster. And it's there's no way to really break it into groups of group A, group B, where it's more fair. So just like the King's Royal was, where they had a really big problem there this year with the way the format was, same thing kind of happens here, but at least at Knoxville, there's a point system that you're getting rewarded for your qualifying efforts too. Yeah. See, you know me? Love it. Now, and here's why. Every time you go on the track, you got to get it done, right? Like there's no, you know, you got to, you can't make a mistake. I mean, now, now Hard Knocks has fixed that a little bit. Right. But let's be fair. Winning the Knoxville Nationals from outside the top 10 is difficult. You know, I think it's been done once, and it was Donnie Schatz. He, he ran the B-Main and won the Nationals. Right. Um, but other than that, now what I like about it is you have to be perfect. You have you have to have to do it. And now I think when you look at who made it and who didn't, there's not really a lot of surprises in that list because A, you had a time well, B, you had to reach your way in uh, up through the heat or, you know, get in, figure out how to get in through your heat. And if you didn't, you know, you had to be time fast because that puts you at the front of the B main. Now, look, you could time nine quick. And if the nine guys in the top nine don't make it out of the heats, then next thing you know, you're stuck starting ninth in the B main because they go back to time. Right. You know, and then, you know, the A main, if you're, fa- if you're one of those fast guys that made it through, you know, you, you can start seventh or eighth, but you got to race your way in. You know, I, I see a lot of complaining about the format. And to me, that's what makes Knoxville special. You know the format. All right. You know the point totals. You know what it's going to need. Now, are we ever going to see a perfect night again of 500? That would be impressive if somebody could do that. I don't know if we ever see that again. Um, but. You know, the point totals have been pretty consistent the last couple of years, 470, 485. Yeah. Somewhere in there gets you the front row or, you know, the top four starting spots at the end. So to me personally, love the format. You know, I see a lot of people talking about it. And had I not been exhausted when I when I got home, I was going to write a story about it. Maybe I'll save it for next year uh, leading into Knoxville. But I think of all the formats, it's the one that you can't cherry pick. It's the one that you got to go, 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 go every time you're on the track. You know, and, and like you look at like David Gravel, like Gravel timed quick is on you know, Wednesday night. He knew he had to go at the start of that heat. And that and that's part of the reason why the mistake was made that caused him, you know, to, to get in that incident where he got into turn three a little hot. 
had a checkup, had contact with Justin Sanders, got into the fence. And that's part of the reason he tried to come back out because he knew with that perfect lap, you know, he had a chance, you know, or the, the, the fast time, he had a chance to, you know, start up front or if he can make it into the A, he'd be all right. right. You know, unfortunately, because he finished 10th in his heat, that puts you in the C main. <laughs> that doesn't help. Now, if he could have made it up to 7th in his heat or 8th in his heat, he would have been in the B and started on the pole. Things would have been different. But to me, I'm a, I'm a fan of the format, love the format. I love that it's just the intensity of the format. And I think, you know, post-race press conference, you talk to a guy like, you know, Donnie Schatz, and Donnie's like, you know, my one of my favorite quotes, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but was basically, you know, the, the three, four days leading into Knoxville, I tell all my friends, it's like, it's not that I don't like you. I just don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, I'm getting ready and thinking about the Knoxville Nationals. And I think that's the intensity that Knoxville brings because of the format, how it works, and how things get done. Yeah, you're right. It is. I mean, you have to run all this shit through your head. I mean, realistically, it's probably some guys just go out there and drive the fucking car, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, to go back on something, though, you, you said about surprises and who was in and who wasn't. I got to say there's two guys that made the show through the points – and not through hard knocks that I was very surprised at. One was Corey Day. The other was Chase Randall. Now, Chase Randall does run there on a weekly basis, but I feel like he's still more of a 360 guy in my eyes. Very young, ran a lot of USAC midget stuff, and now is progressing, who ended up being your rookie of the year. And Corey Day who comes from California, again, runs a lot of 360 stuff, has limited 410 experience. Yeah, he just ran Sunshine's car for a little bit, but I was very surprised to see it their success all week. And even on Saturday, they weren't guys that just dropped off. Yeah, I'm, you know, for me, Corey Day is not a surprise. Uh, you know, and even Chase Randall. Chase Randall's been decent at Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um and for Corey Day, Corey Day has had it rolling on the West Coast. If you watch any yes. racing on the West Coast, and I'll, I'll go to my good buddy Jeremy Elliott here, you know, from SprintCarLimited.com. He's, he's a big West Coast guy. Oh, he loves, loves those California guys. He loves those California guys. <laughs> and, you know, he's been talking about Corey Day for a little bit now. And Corey Day has been very competitive in the events that he has run when he comes east. Yes. Um, I think he's a kid that there's definitely – there's more to come with him. I don't – you know, so for me to see him get in there, not shocked. Uh, plus, he's got Jason Martin or Jason Martin, Jason, um, Jason Myers. Jason Myers. There we go. I'm thinking 360 Nationals there for a second. Yeah. Uh, Jason Myers. You know, turning the wrenches. You know, working on the car. He's the guy, and that's a pretty good guy to have in your back pocket. I mean, Jason Myers was no slouch when he ran. You know, four tenths. You know, World of Outlaw champion, mm-hmm. etc. So seeing him working with the kid. And the kid's got poise. I mean, I, I had a chance to chat with him after Kokomo in the high limit race when he ran the 7 BC. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, he didn't win. All right, but that dash is probably one of the, the best dashes I've ever watched. You know, normally we watch a dash. Like, All right, let's get this over so we get to the AMA. Right. Uh, but that dash was fantastic. I mean, him and Kyle Larson going at it. And I think the thing he's still learning is, you know, he said to me, you know, in California, you have a pace, you know, and you can go a certain pace and you know what pacing is, you know, what pace you got to go how hard to drive the car, all that. He goes, you come out here east when you race with these guys, the intensity picks up. He goes, the intensity's more, the pace is faster. He's like, you got to up your game. He goes, right now, I can do that for eight laps. He goes, doing it for 30 to 40 is a little bit more of a challenge. So 
I think he's a kid. He's getting there again. And Chase Randall, that was a great deal. You know, again, seeing him in the show, uh, making the show. And how great was it him battling with Donnie Schatz on, you know, Wednesday night? You're thinking, you know, Donnie goes by him the one time. You're like, ah, oh, all right, it's over. Oh, the kid says, no, 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 no. And yeah. comes right back at Donnie, throws it, you know, throws it at him, gets the lead back for a bit. And then Donnie's like, all right, did you have your fun? Right. And then, you know, Donnie goes back by. But I think it's neat to see what we have coming in sprint car racing. You know, a kid like Trace Randall, a guy, you know, a kid like Corey Day. You know, I think the future is bright here when you look at the kids that are starting to come up through the ranks. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's so many of them. Even a guy like Gio Selzy, I mean, he has really upped his game over the last couple of years and here he is the top five on saturday and he's no slouch either there's a lot of these california kids buddy kofoid another one ever since he's been hopping in a wing sprint car it's like he knows exactly what he's got to do and really hasn't had any of the rookie mistakes that a lot of times we normally see so i mean there's definitely guys out there that our future in sprint car racing, even in racing in general nowadays, yeah, they're starting younger. Yeah, they're getting more recognition. But I think what we're going to be seeing in the next 20, 30 years, we're safe and we're going to have good competition as the veterans start to, you know, go away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Donnie Schatz's quote was best again, post race, press conference Wednesday night. He's like, you know, I figured he'd let the senior citizen, you know, just have this one. But no, he, he raced me back. He goes, and that's what makes the Knoxville Nationals the Knoxville Nationals. He goes, but, it, you know, he was a half-hearted Donnie, you know, joking about the kid passing him back. And, you know, and Donnie's on that, the, the, the other side of the career. Not, I'm not going to say downside because I don't think Donnie's on the downside. Yeah, the no. season hasn't been the best. But I don't – you still see Donnie step up. I don't, I don't think he brings any different intensity. I, I just think, you know, the era we're in is a little different now. You know, other guys have caught up. Other guys, you know, learned what Donnie's doing. And Kyle Larson mentioned this uh, when he was speaking at the uh, on Saturday night. He said, you know, we've all studied Donnie. Every one of us that's on this podium, every one of us that comes to Knoxville over here, we've watched more video on Donnie Schatz winning this race and how he won this race so many times. He goes, and that's why we're all so much better. He goes, because of that guy. Because that guy could roll the middle. That guy could roll the bottom. That guy could roll the top. And we all know and see what he was able to do. And now we all try to emulate that and try to be that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if if Donnie were 20 years younger, let's, you know, take him 20 years ago now, these guys like Sheldon, like Rico, these guys are ripping the top. They're going to stick it where Donnie's like, you know, I did that before. I'm all right. Just doing what I'm doing. And they're just more fearless at this time because of their age and, you know, they're throwing all caution to the wind. Donnie is more strategic. You know, it's like watching Lance, and you wonder why Macri kept beating Lance at port. Well, it's because Macri's willing to bounce it off the wall every time, and Lance isn't. It's kind of the same thing, but the cream always rises to the top. The bigger stages, these veterans still know how to do what they do. Um, you know, and I mentioned a guy like Rico. I mean, I, I would love to sit and think what would happen had he not had a tire go down. Yeah. Because... That, I mean, he, Rico... You know, there's an old saying in Knoxville, but I don't know if it's old, but I'm getting old now. So, um, but there's a saying in Knoxville, you got to lose it before you win it. And that sounds stupid. Like, it just sounds stupid. But there's so many guys, like Donnie Schatz, first time he started in front of a while, I want to say he didn't make it through turns one and two. Like, <laughs> it was a bad day. Um, you know, Rico, 
It's just, I mean, Rico's always had speed at Knoxville, but traditionally you see Rico running hard knocks. Like mm-hmm. hard knocks has been the Rico Abreu night for I don't know how long. Somehow he always finds his way into that hard knocks night. You know, this year was the first year with Ricky Warner. They put it all together, and he was fast the whole every night, every time on the track. Right. You know, and the only thing that kept him from the pole is Larson made it out of his heat, and he did not. But again, there's the difference between heat one and heat five, yep. or heat four. You know, the track changes. The track widens out. The track gets racier, etc. You know, and and I mean, getting the flat. You know, I want to say I don't remember if it was the bleeder stuck or what it was. Um, but having the tire issue, it's tough to come from back there. You know, again, yeah, gravel did it. All right. But he had all 50, you know, Rico did not have that same luxury. You know, we saw Larson last year, get a flat in the first 25 and you're done. I I mean, if that doesn't happen in the first hand, even if it happens in lap two, the, the hole you've dug now is almost impossible to dig out of, you know, because, you know, you can look at the, 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 the nights and the qualifying nights and see guys pass a ton of cars. You know, like Rico did it in the 360s. I mean, he started Never Neverland, you know, in that one, and it was the race's way up, you know, and have a great night. Um, but it's that is much tougher to do. I mean, what Gravel did is a, is exceptionally impressive because of the depth of field that he's passing. You know, there I don't I would put the Knoxville Nationals a main starting lineup against almost any other Crown Jewel race and say the talent level in that is on par or or better, you know what I mean, with any other race. And then simply because there's every guy in the country comes to the Knoxville Nationals. You know, you look at, you know, the other big races, we'll say Hoosis, and I'm not knocking Hoosis or any of these other tracks, or even Eldora. You know, there's 60, 70 cars. Knoxville, there's 100-plus every year. Yep. You know, so your depth, all right, the format you got to go through to qualify, all that makes it the toughest race to make. And, again, now look, again, there's surprises. You know, we were talking surprises, like Dusty Zone were making the A. Yes. That's awesome. You know, Zoom Zoom, you know, as it used to be called. Uh, they don't call him that anymore. I know like Tony Bachoven left that one. That's one of my favorites. Um, but, um, you know, he made the A. And, and he's made the A before, not his first time. You know, like uh, Davey Heskin made the A. Oh, he was so thrilled on Friday night. Yeah. That was great. But, yeah. But Heskin is a guy that used to make the Nationals every year. He used to be a threat to win on preliminary nights. He's won preliminary nights at the Nationals when I've been going. You know, so him making it, you know, there's a lot of talent, you know, in that field, et cetera. So, you know, again, coming back through, passing, getting up, it's it's one of the most difficult races to do that. Um, so, you know, Rico, his, I think his time will come oh, if, yeah. he, you know, if he keeps going. I mean, right now, he's got to be considered the top one of the I don't want to say top because it's hard to say Kyle Larson's not the top sprint car driver in the country. Right. But Rico's got to be right there. I mean, they're, they're, they're side by side. I mean, Rico's had a phenomenal year. You know I mean? Just, he's just been that good almost every night out. Yeah. It's one of the things where it's almost like you, I think people tend to leave Larson off because he's not a full-time sprint car driver, but he kind of still is. Um, you never know when he's going to run because of his other schedules, but Rico has been the one that like, all right, he knocked off a win here. Okay. He won this. Okay. Oh wait, he's winning a lot more this year than in previous years. And yes, having a great crew chief is going to do that for you, but he's smartened up a lot. His driving styles changed. He's not, he's still running hard, but he's not tearing shit up. Like he used to, it used to be, you know, he had that team as mentality, you know, wreck it or, or checker it. And now he's getting a lot 
wiser with his decisions. And I mean, I think he passed the most cars in the entire Knoxville oh, yeah, Nationals. You look, yeah, you look between 360 and 410 Nationals, probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I mean, cars. he at least had fun passing cars at that, you know. I mean, to go to the rear on lap 14 and coming back up to 7th is really impressive. Yeah. So, you know, who were, I, I wanted to bring this up too. You brought up about other races. I thought it was comical during the time of the Eldora Million. It was very coincidental that Knoxville released their first batch of entries uh, the day of the Eldora Million, which was funny. But there were 42 guys already signed up for Knoxville at that time, which was basically half of what Eldora had. But. Like, 19 of those guys weren't even in Eldora. So, you have a million dollars to win, and yes, there were a lot of other top prizes out there, and yet, Knoxville's got 30 more cars. I think what what makes the difference, A, prestige, let's be fair, we know, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's modified racing, late model racing, sprint car racing, races that have been around a long time still bring that historic element to it, prestige to it, Etc. You know what I mean? We've seen a lot of different tracks, a lot of different, and it doesn't matter if it's promoters, if it doesn't matter if it's money, it doesn't matter. They all try to do these big races and pay lots of money and do all that, but it's still not the same as the historical events. Like even like think about this: the million, the crowd at the King's Royal on Saturday was bigger than the crowd at the million. Yeah, which is crazy to think about, right? They're paying; they're not paying nearly as much on Saturday. But because it's the million, you know, the million you would think would be the biggest crowd going, right? Well, no, Saturday was the biggest crowd because it's the tradition of the King's War. Like, and Knoxville's kind of the same way. Knoxville was that first big event, you know, and, and the format. And, and the other thing that's different with Knoxville is you can say, you know, all these other races want to advertise. Look at the money we're paying. Look what we're doing, this and that. And, yes, there's some good money there. But there's a lot of money on top in those races. You look at Knoxville. Yeah, it's only 185,000 to win. Only I say only like that's nothing, but but it's like 15,000 or, or whatever to make the A main. Oh yeah, the green like, green like, money is ridiculous. It's right, like that's the you know that's the craziness with the Knoxville Nationals is that the purse you know is all the way down through. I mean, look, like, just for an example, okay, like if we're running on Saturday, you know, I'm looking at the purses. You know, even the guy, you know, that makes the E main, he gets a hundred bucks. I mean, he gets his pit money back. Is that great? No. Oh wait, hold on, that's three sixty. Where's the four ten? No, that's four ten. Okay. Like the A main, fifteen thousand to finish twenty fourth. Now, if you ran the B main before that, you actually make sixteen thousand because you get a thousand for that. If you finish uh, fifth in the B main at Knoxville, which I think Brett Marks was fifth, he still got ten thousand dollars. To make the B is fifteen hundred bucks. I mean, so the money at Knoxville is spread through the field a little bit. You know, it's not nearly as top heavy. You know, it's you know Knoxville could pay a million dollars, but then the guy and nobody else gets paid. You know, with the, with Knoxville, every time you hit the track, you're making money, as they say. They're paying. You know? They're paying money for your heats and qualifying night. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one hundred fifty bucks to win the heat. You know. See Maine, you get a hundred bucks to start. You know, I mean, it's just there's always money. You know, at Knoxville, is it fair, is it a be all end all? No, but it's still a pretty damn good purse. You know, 
start to finish. And if you're the little guy going there, you know you're going to come home with 500 bucks. Is that great? No. But it's in the grand scheme of things, if I go to some of these other races, there's no money for not making the A. Right. You're going to get your 50 or $75 in tow money, and that's the end of it. Yeah, right. Right. So Knoxville, at least, you know, there's something there. There's a little bit of a carrot, you know, so to speak. So, um, you know, in that sense. So, I mean, but then you look at it, say, okay, well, what are your expenses for going out there? You're going to be out there for at least Wednesday to Saturday. Maybe some guys don't even show up Saturday. So you're at least there three days and then add in all your expenses. Now add into what tires you go through, how much fuel you're burning up, all your mechanical failures that you're probably going to experience at some point in time. You have all those things wrapped in. At least they're giving back and showing right. everyone is here for a reason. We appreciate you coming and being a part of this right. every year. So, so to correct myself, I think I read the 360. To finish last in the E main pays $400. Yep. Last in the D is $800. Last in the C is 900 Again, last in the B is 1500 So it's not, is, is it, again, is it the highest purse ever? No, but is it the depth of purse? I think depth of purse is probably one of the better ones. Just Saturday is $866,000. Yeah. I mean, and then yeah. this is what gets me is normally if you, you know, I look at, let's say Port Royal at, at the Tuscarora, for instance, I don't know that they pay for the guys who transfer out of the B. You still get paid for winning the B and you get to go to the A. Yes. I, I mean, you're getting your double dip in there and that's. I mean, they paid four grand for the top four spots at Hard Knocks. I yeah. mean, who would think you're getting paid to go right into the A? I mean, that's that's yeah, huge. Right, right. Yeah, right, right. Again, you get a bonus. You get a thousand thousand dollar bonus just for running the B. Now, the B is twenty two laps, which most places that's almost a feature. And I think that's what also makes it exciting, right? As you go, the mains get longer. You know, so the B main is twenty two laps, which that's an A main. So if you're starting tenth, you got a shot. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what distinguishes Knoxville, A, the, the history, and B, the fact that the purse is still one of the best. You know, until some of these other purses get up to the make the A-Main, make $15,000, I mean, hey, you know what I mean? Like, 10th place in the A-Main in Knoxville pays twenty grand. Man, there's probably about 15 to 20 shows that I would think probably pay that, but... That's not a lot. I mean, for one show, and it it's not like it drops considerably. That's the thing. Pretty, right. pretty much, I want to say, okay, so it goes 185 to win, 85 per second. Then you go to 45. But after that, it kind of hovers around a pretty consistent amount. So, I mean, from 4th to 24th, 4th is only double what 24th is. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, that right yeah. there is the attraction to go out and show yourself. You're going to get you're going to get a check from Knoxville for something. Yeah, you're making money, right? Like not making money. Let's be fair. Nobody makes money, but <laughs> you're you're at least have an opportunity to uh, to cover, you know, to cover your expense, if you will. Right. Um, you know, and that's cover some of the expense. You know, it's uh and, and I think, again, that, that's, you know, that's Knoxville. I think that's the, you know, that that's the key. You know, like, look, the Kings Royal paid 175000 to win, you know, 5000 to start. You know, the purse is 383000 So Knoxville's almost double that for, for Saturday night. Almost. 
you know that that's that where it, that's where it shows right right is that money that goes in the back and again i'm not knocking any of these other races i'm just i'm just saying this is the you know this is this is what makes knoxville special is that is the total you know the total person like even the eldora million you know paid a million to win only paid six thousand to take degree now only six thousand but knoxville is double that plus so the way I the way I think of it, I think of it like in comparison, if we look at like MetLife Stadium in New York, it's this big Mecca and it sits in the middle of a lot like there's literally nothing around it. It just sits there. That's what outdoor kind of reminds me of. Like, this is the Mecca. There's nothing around here. But Knoxville, to me, is the equivalent to like a Yankee Stadium where it's in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. And that I think that's what's cool about Knoxville, too. Like, you know, I try to explain to people that have never gone. Um, and you know, our, our dumb vlogs that we do, God, I hate doing those things, but <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, we try to explain like the atmosphere at Knoxville is un you can't recreate it. You know, you can't, there's nowhere else that I go to a big race. You know, I've been to most big races. There's a handful probably that I haven't been to, you know, but where it's embraced by the whole community, the people there love having you. I mean, we've made so many friends in Iowa, um, you know, because of the, you know, because of the, the Knoxville nationals, you know, um, you know, my friends of mine stay, uh, with a family from Knoxville, Denny and Jan, uh, and they have taken us in as family. You know, we talk to them year all year long, you know, we, we go to their house, you know, if you ever see our, you know, watch our blog, Sasquatch is racing on Facebook, by the way, you know, I'm going to get the clicks on that. I don't really care, but, um, if you ever see us just hanging out in the driveway, it's their house. You know, they've opened up their house to us. You know, they, they, they treat us phenomenal. You know, and, and that's all because of just how much the town embraces and loves having everybody there. You know, you walk into any of the any of the stores like the High V or the Walmart or whatever, or whatever you're wearing a racing shirt, you know, they'll they'll talk to you about the races, they'll thank you for coming. Like it's pretty awesome, you know, and you know, people here love Super Dirt Week and I love Super Dirt Week too. You know, but I'm like, you can't rep like Super Dirt Week's great for for what we have, you know, but it's not Knoxville. You know, it's just, it's not the Knoxville Nationals. When you can drive down the streets and see haulers in people's yards and guys unloaded in people's garages working on their race cars in the Joe Blow's house, I mean, there's something cool about that. And you can walk around during the day and all the guys are out working on their cars. Um, you know, if you're into the, the, the party side of it, I'm not a dingus guy. That is not my thing. But everybody loves the dingus across the street. You know, hundreds of people go to that place every night. After that closers you know, turns three and four outside the, the racetrack, all the haulers open up and there's people just hanging out, you know, on Thursday night, you know, they have a chicken barbecue after the races and it's free. They have donors that sponsor it and it's free. Oh, wow. And you can line up and they grow, you know, 5 million chickens. You know, I think it was 400 pounds of chicken that, uh, I want to say Chase Randall's family donated his dad, his dad or his team donated. Bush's chicken. Um, yeah. For the event, you know, and they feed you. If you're there, they're going to cook chicken until there's no more, you know, no more people to feed. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, and then when that's over, you can go over to turns three and four and there's, there's people over there hanging out again, trailers are open. Um, Jason sides, guys were handing out tacos at two in the morning. That, I mean, that like, doesn't surprise me. No, but it was like, that's the kind of atmosphere that you have. And I'm not saying our races don't have that. You know, I mean, we only go to that, you know, that happens every night, you know, for Sasquatch and I, we're old farts now. Um, you know, we always hang out Thursday night because of the chicken barbecue, 
Um, one of the one of the guys that contributes to it is uh, we call him Nick the Dentist. He's Nick the Dentist, um, and it, him he contributes to it. And you know, it's the only you know we see him in Knoxville. That's it. We spend time with him and his son, and now his son, you know, is there. So it's like it's a cool family thing. It's just there's no other place where I found that the atmosphere is the same. Now look, the mile was cool again. That was good. You know, I'm not so you know everybody. Will, oh, this line won't go overall, but I don't part that party atmosphere after the races as much. I mean, Super Derby used to be my favorite event to do that at, and now it's like, I go to bed because I'm tired and I'm old, but um, It's like, it, look at Eastern States, like, I know everyone loves migrating to the 31st lap, and there's usually a good party there. I do there. love Eastern States, so be careful here. But, I love Eastern States. <laughs> oh, I do too, but you can't necessarily just drive through the campground and see a bunch of things going on. Yeah, I've noticed it's progressively just gotten quieter. Like everyone's just all of a sudden gotten really old. Yeah, or, or it's it's strange. I think it's just you know, <laughs> if we're gonna go down to this topic, I think you know, for me, I still love going to the thirty first lap. Like I went there Saturday night, just hung out, sat there. I haven't done that, and I can tell you, last year, I you know, during Eastern States, I didn't feel good. I mean, I had a cold, really bad cold that I was announcing. I mean, I was drinking cough medicine more than I was drinking beer, you know, and I think that's the, you know, I, 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 it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned not doing that. Now, Rusty and I were there Thursday night and we were, you know, set up and all that. And we, you know, we walked around, we met some people just sat down at a fire because they had a fire going, you know, and I think that's one of the cooler things about stuff we can do here at like Eastern States and, 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 and Super Dirt Week. You don't, now there is a campground at Knoxville. Now, I've only been down there one time, but it's up the street from the racetrack, north of the track, about, a, would say, half a mile. Um, and I know in there things get crazy, you know, but, you know, there's fires, all that kind of stuff, you know. But I, I've never experienced any of that because we never traditionally know anybody camping in there, you know. So I don't get that side of it. Now, now we're at Super Dirt Week Eastern States. That's one of the cool things to me. Like, I have a friend of mine at Super Dirt Week, Adam Ross. Our tradition at the mile on Sunday night, once all the work was done, you know, you finally finished up everything you needed to do for the week, your last show's done, everything's done. We would have certain people that we would visit. We had some Canadian friends that would have Thanksgiving dinner because Columbus Day is Canadian Thanksgiving. We'd stop there, they'd feed us. We'd go see John Way. We'd see the Rinaldis from Brighton. We'd see, you know, um, Kenny Martin and his wife and family at theirs. And then we just kind of ride around on a golf cart and see who we could find. And, you know, next thing you know, the sun's coming up. That, I don't have, you don't kind of have that at Knoxville. Now, I got to be honest, party in three and four. If you're crazy enough to stay till all hours, it can go to all hours of the night. Um, I've seen that happen. Uh, but you don't have a fire pit you're standing around. You know, you're just, you're just BSing with everybody in the, you know, that's over there. So let me, you know? let me ask you this. So, and it, I think we've may have narrowed down to the difference here. It seems like here in the Northeast, all our big events are in either the very early part of the year or they're in the later part of the year where you are wearing a hoodie, you are around campfires. It is more of that type atmosphere as opposed to these events we just talked about all through the million Kings Royal, even the bigger late model races at Eldora Knoxville. It's all basically in the summertime. (laughs) It's way different. Did you notice like we don't have those shows here in the Northeast? I think the, 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 the reason for that is think about what home track points like, Point titles and all that mean the modified guys. Yep, you're right. And and, I, and 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 I'm not 
saying that's bad or good, or whatever. It's just everybody kind of has. I want to win. I want to win a track championship. Sprint car guys, late model guys, they don't give a crap. No, about that stuff. Like Danny Dietrich, I'll use him as an example because he's controversial and he's fun, and I enjoy reading him on Twitter. And who cares, right? Um, He'll run Lincoln one Saturday. He'll run Port Royal another Saturday. Ah, we're going to take a week off from Williams Grove. Like those point championships, all that don't matter as much to the sprint car and lane model guys. Right. They're willing to go like here. You could never, you could do a big show on a Saturday night, right? I could pay $100,000 to win at, let's say, Fonda on a Saturday. And you know what? I'm only going to get 40 cars because there's 100 guys that would come, but they got to run their Saturday night track because they want to win that track championship. Yep. Like the mentality of modifieds versus sprint cars and late models is just different. Yep. You're right. And I don't know if that's a Northeast mentality or, or what, but that's just always kind of the way it's been. You know, we've never had that big money racing in the middle of summer. You know, we've always done it in the, you know, when all the, like, and it's got to go back to Glenn Donnelly, right? I mean, Glenn Donnelly was the one you looked at the end of the year in the Northeast, everybody shut down on Labor Day. And then it was like, you had Rolling Wheels 200, you had the Lebanon Valley 200, you had the Fonda 200. You know, you had Eastern States, you had Super Dirt Week, you had all these big races, and everybody went to them. Yep, you're right. You know, and that was always the season of big races. You know, we never had a summer of money, you know, as they say. Here's the flip side of that, too, where late model guys and sprint car guys, and I'm going to say the big touring guys, the guys who do this for a living, they can legit make a living doing this the way they're doing it now where they don't have a home track necessarily they don't do weekly shows all these outlaw shows lucas oil shows they're all big thursday friday saturday events where us modified guys i don't know that besides the bigger shows at the end of the year there is never a three-day show on a whim it's all crammed into after labor day like you said or before the weekly stuff starts so it's almost like an opposite kind of behavior where there's no way we could ever get away with it like you said paying 100 grand anywhere on a random saturday in june is not gonna fly no no and again just mentality wise it's 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 interesting right i mean it's fun to chat about because again we're just ingrained as modified people this is what we do Labor Day ends, all the track points, they're over. Okay, now we go big big money racing. Yeah, I mean, you look at it starting with, uh, I'm going to say, 76 or a weekend, pretty much. You know, then you have a bunch of stuff for the next month and a half. Every weekend's right. full. Right, every weekend's packed until, I mean, basically wrapping up Eastern States is our last Northeast, you know, big money race. Yeah, and then you can go to so Georgetown. Then you go right, to Georgetown, then you go to World Finals, right? There's all these other races. I mean, it's... It's it's interesting when you look at it that it's almost like a, a reverse type thing because looking at the sprint cars and late models, yeah, there's World Finals, but they don't cram a lot of their big money stuff couple, at the end. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. You have Williams Grove National Open. Really, that's the last crown jewel big money race, right? And that's the first weekend, or last weekend of September, right? You know, same week, I know it's... Same weekend as the Victoria or Outlaw 200 now, you know, got them all. Like, oh, jeez, calling things by old names. But, um, yeah, it's yeah just, it, that's you know, pretty that, much that's it. That's really the last big money. We can, now, there's other shows that pay 10 grand, 15 grand, whatever, but that's the last one that pays huge money, right? And it's over. 10 you know, grand is numbers. now their norm. That's their that's standard, right? Base. That's standard. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to win the Powerball and just say, all right, I'm going to pay like $500,000. Let's just go. Yeah. We can track. We're going to pay $500,000. I'm going to do it for four days. And I would run a race 
with a similar format to the Knoxville Nationals, just because I could. And see what happens. Then again, there's my buddy Sasquatch Jr., I call him, but it's Barry. Guy uh, takes photos for Positively Racing, which is a Midwest website. They cover IMCA stock cars. By the way, the greatest division in racing. But that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> he loves modified racing. You know, he watches some stuff on Dirt Track Digest TV, watches some of our full broadcasts. And it, every night at the Knoxville Nationals, he's wearing a modified driver T-shirt. You know, one night he's wearing Ryan Godown. You know, another <laughs> night he's wearing Mick Mahaney. You know, one night a kid out there, he's got a Matt Shepard T-shirt. You know, the guy, one kid out there, uh, Marty from our area, was wearing a, a Matt Shepard T-shirt. And I'm like, Barry, calm down. Calm down. I know it's a modified shirt you see there. Calm down. <laughs> then, you know, the final night of the Knoxville Nationals, he's wearing a Ollie's Bargain Outlet Cajun Tour T-shirt. I'm like... <laughs> Where the hell did you get that? <laughs> he loves it, you know? And he and he's joking, if I win the Powerball, we will have modifieds at Knoxville. And I'm like, okay. Now, I agree with the sentiment, but I don't know if I can handle it. Because I like my buddy Ray, who I, I met through, he's a die, die cast dealer in western Pennsylvania. Um, he, the last night, you know, we're getting ready to go, you know, and I'm all depressed. He's like, we come back for the late model nationals. I'm like, Ray, that is sacrilegious. Okay, we only run sprint cars here. That's all that I'm not going to take my view of Knoxville by running full fender cars on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you bring you bring up the whole Powerball thing, right? So I know everyone has been talking, I think, quietly about this, but okay, Eldora Million, what's next? What's the next thing that is? is I can't see it just stopping, right? Like, I, I, I think, I mean, you got a good game of one-upmanship going on in sprint car racing right now, which is awesome for the sport and awesome for the drivers, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. There's more money being paid today than has ever been paid in sprint car racing, which is awesome. Now, I wish some of that would trickle the modifieds, but, you know, again, we're having the issues of, I don't know, we can, we can do a whole other podcast on the problems with modifieds, you know, and what's going on in our area. That would be a whole other day of the discussion, but, um, modif- mo- you know, where modified racing is kind of leveled off right we've seen what people are willing to support you know people pay what tracks can afford to pay all that sprint car racing is in a different game you know and we're very fortunate you have guys that love the sport you know like tony stewart at eldora you know he loves sprint car racing yeah he's drag racing now but he still loves eldora he loves sprint car racing he's willing to take that chance on the million todd Quaring at who sits you know in the the high bank nationals i mean he's already announced that that first is going to go up next year mm-hmm you know, we've seen it with High Limit. Now, High Limit, unfortunately, is kind of it's kind of petering here as the schedule gets tougher. Um, and, and again, it's that time of the year, right? Parts, money, all that stuff starts to, to run a little short. You focus on things, you know. Like they have an asterisk hanging above them, though, with the outlaw freebie races you get the run. See, well, that's the hard part, right? You you don't get all those guys. Like, look, at the end of the day, you want all those guys for all those races, right? Like, you want. You need Brad Sweet. You need Donnie Shots. You need David Gravel. You need those guys to run those races. Now, they are going to run a race. Every one of them is going to run a race, and it's going to be at Lerderville where they pay $50,000 a win. Oh, yeah, they're that, saving that. that they're saving be, You know, they, 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 they had four. They used two for Eldora. They used one for that the, the $50,000 win race, you know, the kickoff to high limit. And then Lerderville is the final one, and they're going to they're gonna use their last one for that. You know, they're going to they're gonna save those bullets for the right races. Let's be fair. You know, Um but you just, I know you, you, you see the money coming in as sprint car racing and is it sustainable? I don't know because are those events making that kind of money? I don't know. Now, you know, Knoxville is, you know, Knoxville has been around, you know, we're 62 in. They sold go. out. They sold yeah. out. And it, anyone has ever seen any footage from there. The place is huge. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's sold out, and they sold out pit passes, too. Not just the stands. Right. They stopped selling pit passes. So you couldn't get into the place at 8 o'clock without a ticket if you wanted to. That's the thing that amazed me the most, to be honest, is you watch any coverage from there on a Saturday or even some of these other shows they run there, you know, USAC's there or whatever, and the place looks empty because it's that fucking big. And they sold out. That's nuts. The backstretch alone is gigantic and no one's ever back there for any other show. No, regular shows, you know, there's nobody back there. And then what's interesting, you know, the crowds there weekly, you know, I always hear people like, wow, there's nobody at Knoxville. The place holds like 30,000 people or 25,000 people in the stands. Like relax. <laughs> like, exactly. There could be, there could be 1500 people there. You wouldn't know it. The place, the place is huge. They probably have, <laughs> uh, probably double what Port Royal has on a good night on a weekly basis. You would just never be able to notice it because it's so big. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's a different animal, different, you know, and again, but that, at the end of the day, all of this discussion, this is what makes Knoxville phenomenal. This is what makes it the greatest, to me, the greatest dirt racing event in the world by far. Um, It's just the crowd, the people, there's, there's so many elements that we've talked about. That are that just make it special, make it different, make it special, and make it a reason why you have to go back. You know, I always tell people once you go once, it is very, very difficult not to go back. Oh, yeah. Because it's so good. You know, even when you see a stinker, like, I mean, look, this year's A main wasn't spectacular. I mean, if you're a Kyle Larson fan, you freaking loved it, right? Kyle Larson dominates, only other guy other than Donnie Shots to lead off 50, you know. Um, great, you know. Every year you're going to see a, a, a barber? No. But I can say over the course of my years going, I've seen, you know, my ratio of great races, the okay races is 75% to 25%. I'll take my chances on that. I mean, most times you're going to, if you, this is what people don't understand. Watching a race on television where you are being told what to watch is a lot different than being at a race in person. I've seen guys lead a lot of laps at a lot of places. Brett Hearn at Middletown is a snoozer. It always has been. But if you watch 5th and 6th and 7th battle it off for 20 laps... And that's where Knoxville was, watching gravel come through, right? Exactly. The race between Shots, Gravel, and Macedo at one point was insane. I mean, and it was... I got to tell you, the slide jobs that Gravel and Macedo threw each other, they were dirty freaking sliders. I oh, I thought, I thought someone was going to go over at one point because... But, but that's what makes those guys the best, that they can throw those haymakers and eight out of ten times, neither one of them ends up in the fence. Right, exactly. No. And and, and again, and that, that's the other thing I love. Not, the racing in Knoxville is, is fantastic. I mean, where else can you go from being two seconds behind, the guy bobbles on the cushion, and you're battling for the lead? Like the momentum and how you have to race Knoxville and how you have to be so precise without making a mistake. It, it's just intense. It's just, I don't know. I wish I racing race as good as the real life Knoxville where I can make <laughs> up two seconds on somebody, but I'm not that good. So here's the, <laughs> here's the thing too, is, you know, Knoxville, Eldora, and even Port Royal have gotten a lot of coverage about how great everything is. I'll say Knoxville does have one thing definitely over them as far as their surface and racing goes. Port Royal and Eldora kind of both have turned into this blow-the-top mentality. Maybe not so much Eldora in a late model. You can really get good around the bottom there, but a sprint car, it's almost like you have to blow the fence down or you're going nowhere, where... 
yeah, a lot of guys were on the top at Knoxville, but all of a sudden, you'll just see guys hook the bottom like they hit uh, a Super Mario Kart type, you know, accelerator. Yeah, and that was, I mean, Saturday night, that was Logan Schuhart. I mean, everybody else was kind of up there on that rim, and Logan kind of found something on the bottom. He was making some tracks. Now, unfortunately, he blew the covers off his motor, but running second. So who knows what could have, should have, would have, who knows, you know, but it, uh, yeah, it definitely races different. Now this year, you know, the first half was bottom. Second half got really top dominant, which was unusual for the Knoxville nationals. Um, you know, Brian Brown said it best back when he lost his Knoxville nationals to, uh, Donnie shots. Now, if you're going to win the Knoxville nationals, you have to beat Donnie shots on the bottom. You have to be able to win on the bottom. Now, Brian Brown, unfortunately did not heed his own advice. Um, one of my favorite Knoxville Nationals of all time, and I don't remember what year it was, one of the first five I went to, Brian Brown passes Donnie Shots near the end of the race, on the bottom in one and two. And the place erupts. It's so loud, you can't hear cars going by you. That's how loud it is. They go down the backstretch, Brown goes to the top, Donnie goes to the bottom, right back by, right to check the Donnie Shots. And in that moment of Brown passing, getting passed back by shots. The whole air in the facility just goes, Whoa. like you just hear everybody like, son of a, you know, like everyone gasped for air at the, at the same time. Same, yeah, all at the same time. Like it was the craziest moment. And of all my moments in racing, I, I will say that's probably my favorite just because of the emotion of A and B, all within a span of about four seconds. Like, it was just, it was incredible. Just incredible. And, and again, that's, but that's Knoxville. You know, that that kind of emotional swing, you know, of, oh, my God, this is awesome. And then, oh, what just happened? You know, like, I don't know if you can get, I, I don't think I've ever experienced that feeling at any other race. You know, like, I've never been at a modified race where somebody passes somebody and the place is so loud that you can't hear the cars going by you, you know, there, I mean, that's just something that happens at Knoxville, you know, and the other things, you know, another moment from Knoxville where Sammy Swindell's leading the nationals. And I want to say it was the big game tree stand car. And it was the, the Goodyear years. And he hated those freaking good years. I remember he blows a tire and he flips in turn four and he gets out of the car and everybody's chanting Sammy's name. Like they hate Sammy Swindell at times. Right but they're chanting his name and he's like <laughs> putting his arms up and like bowing to the crowd and stuff. And it's like, Where else in racing do you have this? Like n- I've never seen that in dirt racing anywhere else, you know, like that atmosphere. And it's just, I don't know. I'm a homer for the Knoxville nationals, man. You know, it's like, if you get me going on Eastern States, that, that I'll, I'll get going on my homerisms there too. But th- th- this is, the Knoxville Nationals is a race. As a race fan, if you listen to this and have never been, it's something I would say: don't put it on a bucket list. Put it on the list to do. Like it's you got to do it. You have to go once, and I'm and, and once you do go, you're going to try to find a way to go every year because it's phenomenal. It's amazing, and it is the greatest dirt race in the world, bar none. So uh, as we wind this down, I, I just have a couple of quick questions for you. So. Who do you think this year was the biggest letdown as far as a driver goes and how they performed? Oh, 
<laughs> um, you know, I, I, that's uh, I'm going to say Brent Marks, and not that I, I, I like Brent Marks, um, but I think Brent Marks not making the A has to be disappointing. If you're a posse fan, A, be a fan of Brent Marks. I mean, Brent Brent has been one of the top sprint car drivers in the country here the last couple of seasons, you know, without a doubt, you know, we bust one of my buddy's jobs, Adam, he loves Brent Marks. So we always pick on him about Macri and Marks and, you know, we bust his balls cause it's fun, but hands down, Brent Marks has been one of the top drivers, you know, top 10 drivers in the country the last two years. You just look at what he's been able to do, you know, winning at Eldora and those, you know, all the other things, all the other races that he's won. He's always in contention, usually when he's on the track. And it just seemed like things didn't, click like he just didn't have that i mean i want to say it was one spot out every night on the track like that that's kind of how close it was you know whether it was a b mains heats whatever it was always that one spot out so to me i think that's that's a disappointing result for that team um because that to me is a team that should be contending for a top five in the knoxville nationals you know i Um, i questioned the whole you know two weeks before knoxville's 410 nationals all these guys were talking about taking time off and they need a break and I'm not going here because of this or whatever the case was. And I questioned Brent Marks, what could this do negatively? Yeah, it can always be a positive thing and resting and just taking a breather. And, you know, we, we saw what the whole Jacob Allen deal and. I was curious, would it have any effect? And I'm wondering if there was just a little lag time with him as not being as fresh as he thought maybe he would have been by taking time off. Well, that, that's the that's the question now, right? Because you look at a lot of guys. A lot of guys are doing this. Mm-hmm. It's not the, you know, the grind thing is not working like it used to, right? There are far more drivers, you know, as we already mentioned, like taking time off, picking and choosing running just the big races. But I think on the flip side of that, why are the outlaw guys so good? Because they run, you know, they run 80 races a year. You know, we can translate that to modified racing. Why is Matt Shepard so good? Hey, Matt Shepard's in the shop all day working. You know, you and I are doing a podcast right now. He's in the shop working on his race cars. And he, That's don't, a. he don't take time off. Right. But B, he is, he races every possible day that he can do races. Now he did go to a, Shania Twain concert, taking that off. I will give him a little crap for that. But he, he did do that. <laughs> you know, but he does race as much as he can. And the only way to get better is to be on the track. You know, the two guys right now on top of the sport and modified racing, you know, to, to kind of translate this is Matt Williamson and Max Shepard. I don't think there's anybody that runs as many races as those two guys. They got good equipment. Yes, they got good crew. They got good teams. They got good maintenance programs. But B, they race a lot. So when something's not clicking, they have a chance to figure out what's not clicking in two days rather than the weekly racer or the guy running two days a week. That it takes him a weekend to figure out what's not clicking, what's not working. You know, and I think in sprint car racing, it's got to translate the same way to me. If you're running every day and things aren't clicking, there, there's more opportunity to figure out what are we doing that's not working. And if you take that break, all these other guys are collecting data that you're kind of not getting, you know. You think of like a Lance Deweese. You know, Lance struggled on the new tires. Well, other guys aren't struggling on the new tires. They've got it figured out. And why is that? They're running every day. They're running every race in Pennsylvania they can go to. They have more more data. Right, whereas the 69K team kind of taking breaks. You know, they're not – you're not every week. You're not going to 20 different tracks. You know, you're running that limited schedule. And 
when you have it together, that's good, right? When it, when everything's clicking and you're winning, and you know it works. But you know, with the tire change and things that have changed in sprint car racing, I don't know if that can translate. Now, look, you give it three years on this tire, and then everybody's going to have the same notebook. But right now, there's still guys trying to find find their way with these tires. Yep, there's definitely a, that, there's a lot that have really struggled. Logan Wagner didn't win until July at Port Royal. Like what? Yeah, right. These yep. are the cases of what happens. But as technology changes or tire rules change or this and that and everything else, you have to put in the work to get the results to figure out how to get better. Yeah, it's like everything else. You have to practice. And there are guys who aren't practicing like some others are. And that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, yep. these outlaw guys can go and I'm just going to bring up Montana because I'll never forget. They had like 19 cars and there were like two non-regulars. And it was like, this is probably like a practice session for these guys because there is no one else out here. They know each other. They're not going to junk each other. And they're out here just collecting these paychecks. But it's all free practice to them. Right. You know, and this is why you look at this A main and there is all the usual suspects because this is what they do. Right. That, that, that's that's a life. Kyle Larson's Larson's probably the only exception that I can say. Again, you don't know when he's going to race. You don't know where he's going to show up. But he just magically just drives the thing and... There's something completely. Look, he's a he's a generational talent, right? He's a freaking nature. Yeah, I'm not going to put him. Look, he's not. You know, he's not the best car sprint car driver ever. I'm not going to jump into that boat yet with anybody. You know, right? I hear a lot of people getting really excited. Now, look, I'm excited because Kyle Larson watched him race. He's amazing. I can't say the kid anymore. He's almost 30, right? Or he is 30. Um, You know, but he's got it together. You know, and he's very, very good. You know, at sprint car racing, he's phenomenal. He's a natural talent. You know, now I love to see him. Good at everything. Right now, what's great is we can all say he's never won in a big block. <laughs> now, to be fair, he's never driven one, but he also has never won. He's so, had opportunities I'm, to run a spec modified at Grandview and turned it down twice. Yeah, he's just scared. <laughs> uh, we're going to say that he's afraid of these mid 50s guys that have so many wins there that he's never going to be able to hold their jocks. I, I agree. That's he's, what it is. <laughs> that's definitely what it is. So, <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I'd love to see it. Just as you know, just to say that I saw it, a but right, um, you know, to see what he could do. But again, it, it is fun to watch. Like, I, I won't say that I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not. My mom loves Kyle Larson. She is a Kyle Larson. If I go to Knoxville and don't buy her a Kyle Larson T-shirt, I will get in trouble. Um, you know, but she just she likes watching the kid race. And there's a lot of race fans that love watching him race. You know, I I enjoy it. I like seeing him race, but I also like. I, you know, the high limit stuff has been good, but I like seeing him when he runs the outlaws because then, uh, then, you know, there, there, there's not much missing in the talent pool. You know what I mean? You have the best drivers in the world that run the world of outlaws. Well, and he's, and, he's the outside he's, factor at that time too. Right. Like he's the, right. he's the non-traditionalist. Right. He is right. The high he's limit. able to pop in and be fast and, and do his thing. Right. You know, which again, that that's what makes you know Knoxville big events like that awesome because of how rich the talent is. Exactly. And when he can do what he did and dominate like that, I mean that shows you the talent. I mean he's that good. Exactly right. Uh, so last question I wanted to ask, you know, who were some of your 
surprises that that surprise you in a positive way with how good they looked. Hmm. Surprise me. I mean, one for me was Garrett Williamson. Very good in a 360, not the best when it comes to four tens and not in his car either. So oh, when your team disintegrates the, the week of the Knoxville Nationals, that's a tough deal. <laughs> and you only yeah. end up coming up two spots short of making the A. That's yeah, not no, bad. I, I would agree. I mean, I think, again, as we mentioned, that the young talent coming coming in is, is um is looking good. You know, you know, I'll answer this one, but I, I thought of another driver that probably you would put in the list opportunities was Justin Peck. You know, we didn't really talk about him and, and how good Justin was on Wednesday night. And then he got, you know, got in that wreck and that foobarred his whole week because he, he missed making the A by one spot because the tiebreaker goes down to finish, A main finish and Justin Peck finished last in the A. So, you know, there's another guy I would say disappointed, but that sums up his season. Really, really good or really, really good and bad luck. Which is weird because they decided to not tour as much and stick around and run a lot of the local stuff, you know, in central PA. And it's like there's a black cloud just coming by every so often with them. But he's been so good. I mean, the, the Kokomo High Limit race was fantastic. Absolutely. You know, that was that was a fun race to watch. Um, and that's my second time at Kokomo. First time I'd been there for a wing race. Last time I went for a non-wing race. Um, but that that was a that was a great race and, and good to see him win. And he's a guy I re- like, you know, how it is if you work in and racing, there's certain guys you just really enjoy talking to. And Justin Peck is one of those guys. He's just a great interview. You know, he is very thorough in his answers, et cetera. Much like Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson could remember what time in the morning he took a pee and tell you how long the pee was and <laughs> how many times he had to like shake it afterward. Like, I mean, that's the, the, the worst possible example I could use, but it's, I want to be funny there. I don't even know if it was, but, but Kyle Larson's recollection of a race, if you ever interview him, yes. it's phenomenal. So you've noticed this too, right? Yes. He brings up the strangest shit. You're like, how did you know that? You can go through 50 laps. And tell you exactly what he did, and this person was next to him, this person was under him, this person was in front of me. I'm not sure who was behind me, but I saw on the big board that it was the 15th. Like, yeah, incredible what he can remember and detail you a lap by lap summary of his race. Well, when I what amazes me with him is his be his the fucking video board, and he manages to be able to watch that turn in what. 16, 17 second laps or at the Chili Bowl, 10 second laps. And he manages yeah. to be able to be able to watch that thing. There was a move he pulled. Was it the qualifying night where he dove to the bottom going into three? I mean, like cut across four lanes of traffic. And I'm like, he could have took someone's nose off. That could have been horrendous. But he was able to watch that board and knew it. Yeah. Uh, that And going as fast as they're going and yeah. doing what he's doing. I mean, it is... It's amazing. So now to get back, sorry, I, I digress there. I got off topic. Getting back to who was my surprise? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, there's there's guys you just expect to be there and do, you know, to, to do what they're supposed to do, right? Like, there's just, that's there. Um, 
I don't know if there's one guy that just shocked me making the show. Um, that's hard. You know, I'm looking at the list of guys who made the A main in the finish, and I'm I'm, I'm just kind of going through it. And I mean, there's a there's a couple of things I could point out, but I'm digging a little bit. Like Kerry Madsen's only been in the Vermeer car for a couple yeah, of seconds, but Kerry and has but, been a Knoxville regular. So when you correct. see him in Knoxville, nothing right, nothing surprised you. Like Sheldon Hodgefield making the A. Yeah, you know, he had to earn it after a, a piss poor qualifying effort on his night. I mean, when you start on the front row of a Knoxville National Seat race, you have dug yourself a grave at that point, more than usually. So to make the AMA for him, um, but I, I can't call that a surprise because to me, that team, that's a team that should be making the AMA and that is expected to make the AMA. You know, and he came from 20th, so he's last car in um, and got 10th. Uh, you know, so I'm not going to say that's a surprise, but, you know, my surprise is more that he was so bad qualifying night, you know, and kind of dug himself out. You he, know, he, usually, he usually ends up with some type of pickle he gets himself into at Knoxville. Yeah. It's like a tradition. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, looking, you know, Austin McCarl not making the A is a surprise to me. He's so good at Knoxville. But again, flat tire in the, in, in the B, running in the transfer spot. Um, I'll tell you one. I I was more certain that Justin Sanders would have a better showing at Knoxville than Anthony Macri in the 7BC. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, Justin just it never got clicking, it seemed like, for them at Knoxville. Um and I don't know. Again, just a bit off. Just, just something didn't didn't come all the way together, right? Like it just, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where where to pinpoint it, you know. But seventeenth in the B main, you know, running the C main is not necessarily where you want to be. No, not but, at all. I mean, he had a decent qualifying night, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the sense of timing and all that. And it just things never. Never went. Now, the, you know, the hard part with that is if you don't make, you know, those, the hard part is if you don't make either the A or the top 10 of the B on your qualifying night, you got one option. You have to be top four on hard knocks. And now hard knocks night, you know, we talk about qualifying. As Dave, David Gravel said it after he made it in, you know, he goes, the qual- this qualifying, this is the toughest. It's tough on hard knocks because Everything is married to your time. So even if I start 10th in my heat race and I finish fifth, right? The lineups for the B and the C go back to my time trial lap. So I could, if I started 10th in my heat, I'm in the C no matter what. Even though I passed five cars and got up to fifth, squadoosh means nothing. It doesn't matter. So you talk about pressure, that hard knocks night, you better turn a lap. And if your lap sucks, Load it, <laughs> you know. We joke around about that, but just put it on the trailer. You're done. Like, you're you're not digging yourself out of that hole. No, and there's you guys know. that do it. There's guys that yep. we saw it on Saturday. Oh, we have to reconfigure the lineups here and how many transfer. I mean, hell, that first main on Saturday was almost Nine like cars <laughs> went to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, and then I look at like, you know, I said about my, about the pool picking and everything. So my my Wednesday went gravel, 
over shots and Brent Marks, which in the end worked out for me Saturday. But my second group was Aaron Reutzel. So if you want to talk about how shitty my Knoxville started off, I get the guy who doesn't even come out for the C main on his qualifying night, but ends up winning hard knocks and gravel having his. Uh, oh, right. Uh, right. It's like, holy yeah. shit. Like, can yeah, this Aaron get Reutzel any worse? Guy, you, you expected to do more considering how good he's been in Knoxville this year. Yes. But it was coming off, you know, a, you know, again, the hard knocks win, you know, and the preliminary, you know, and the second in the, 360 nationals leading all but what one lap, you know? So yeah, not, I, I mean, I don't think they're probably happy right after looking back, finishing 16th, um, you know, Brian Brown, a little bit surprising that he didn't do better. You know, Brown is normally a guy, again, another guy when he runs Knoxville, if he rolls in the pits with the 21, he's the guy to be absolutely There's not a question. There's no, on a weekly show in Knoxville, it's Brian Brown in the field, unless Rico's there. And then it's Rico and Brian Brown. And the field. And, you know, Brown, you know, just got in. I mean, just made the A. You know, got third in the A, or third in the B to make the A. And it wasn't really even that good in the B. You know, just circumstances. Jaden McFadden getting a flat, blowing up, and, and putting her in the fence. You know, flat pad blows up, puts him in the fence. Um, you know, Austin McCarl having tire issues. You know, those guys kind of moved Brown up enough that, he, you know, he got in. You know, so him not... You know, doing well. You know, I, I guess to surprise, how about this? Spencer Basin. Spencer Basin, it was his first A main start. First time he's made the A. And that was surprising in the sense that I would have thought he had been in it before, but he'd never, I, I don't think he's ever been in the quality of ride that he's in. I mean, maybe, but, you know, this is, you know, CJB is a pretty good team to be driving for. Yeah, I think he's finally landed himself a seat that he can make some time out of. And, I mean, obviously, he's won a bunch of races, including Bristol Bash. Um, yep. You know, his short his short track game is, is great as well. So I think they're finally getting to a pattern where they can compete on any type of size yep. track. And, you know, and, and him coming out of this with an 11th is not horrible. No, no. All right, man. I uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Great recap. No we just talked an hour and fifteen minutes about the Knoxville Nationals. Yeah, with some other shit sprinkled in. Of course, we can't ever yeah, keep modifies out of our mouth. But yeah, if, if you know me, I can talk Knoxville. Anybody that knows me probably gets to know me because I talk about Knoxville so much. But now our focus must turn, as it's the end of the season and Eastern States is only two months away. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Halloween party, then it's the New Year's Eve party, and then it's yep. I gotta sit here and watch two hundred fucking laps. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, thanks for coming on once again, and uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon, man. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it.